For America's climate goals, investing in clean energy adds up. But what doesn't add up is an additionality requirement for clean hydrogen. Additionality would put an unnecessary and inequitable burden on domestic clean hydrogen producers and have serious consequences for America. America needs clean hydrogen, but an additionality requirement just doesn't add up. Get the facts at cleanhydrogentoday.org. Paid for by the Fuel Cell and Hydrogen Energy Association. The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Welcome to Success Secrets Exposed with Sally A. Curtis, where we share stories of challenge, success, and inspiration, along with practical tips and strategies to move you forward to your success. And now, here's your host, Sally A. Curtis. Good evening, good morning, and good day to you all. Thank you for joining us again. Now, today's show, we're going to be talking about entrepreneurship, innovation, and marketing as it relates to growing your business. And my very special guest today, Wade, who runs um, Australia's leading debt recovery business, who's currently hiding in his storage room from his staff, is going to be sharing with us some of his stories as to how he's grown his uh, businesses, etc. Now, for those that are new to the show and don't know me as yet, or I haven't met you as yet, I'm a marketing consultant and uh, marketing strategist for speakers, consultants and coaches. And my role is to help to amplify their voice, their message and their impact. And I do this in a number of ways, obviously having great guests on the show and also helping those um, clients repurpose their content and do lead generation on LinkedIn. So that's a little bit about me. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Wade. Wade has been the director of, of, sorry, of several companies in the last 15 years And he is super passionate about entrepreneurship, using innovation to find the fundamentals of business to create optimal results uh, very, very quickly. He has a natural flair for marketing and, dare I say, networking as well. So please help me welcome to the show, Wade Bolesky. Welcome. Thanks, Sally. Uh, Great to be here. Hi, everyone. Um, Good evening. Good Good afternoon, wherever you are tuning in. Thank you. And thanks yeah. for having me on. Really You're very, very it. welcome. Yeah, no, I, I know we've known each other for a very, very long time in that 15 years. It's probably been nearly that length of time. Yep. And we've it's probably, probably had very stuff. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And we catch up yearly, sort of nearly yearly, we'll say. <laughs> Feels like that, doesn't it? Yes. It sure does. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your background because I know your business um, has evolved um, as has mine over the last 15 years. How did you get started doing what you're doing? Well, the well, my core business, I suppose, that I've been doing for 14, 15 years in a debt recovery space, uh, I can give you a little bit of insight on how I got involved in that. But I was thinking I would share a story a little bit further back, one that you may not have even heard, um, Sally, because I've been 
um, playing in the entrepreneurial space for probably 20, 25 years if you go back enough. So even when I was 15 years old, I had started a uh, small business. And then by the time I got to 17, 18, I joined a company where we were selling uh, the deregulation of the telecommunications industry. So back then, I don't know if anyone that's not in Australia, but people are in Australia, we had telecom that was the only one and they deregulated the system and they opened up the market to players around the world like optus and uh prime and a few other players and so i joined a company where we could sell that um door to door and um churn people across basically is what we called it back in the day and i was able to set up my own business doing that um so it was just three of us we um jumped in a car we traveled from south australia to wa and we set up there we actually stayed in uh, one of the companies we were providing a service for in their office before we had any accommodation uh, I was 18 one of them was 20 and 21 and we just did whatever it took to get there slept on the company floor for at least five days then we found some accommodation we found an office then we recruited a team we got up to about 15 uh, staff working for us at that point and um, Cut it long story short, I wanted I was a bit homesick, so I wanted to get back to SA and I decided, okay, I'll branch the business off, bring it back to SA, and we established the same business. But that was right around the time when mobile phones at that stage it was about one in fifteen people had a mobile phone. And uh, we we could see that curve coming. We, we knew everyone was gonna have a mobile phone, but it wasn't, you know. Not everyone had one. It was only if you were in business or if you're doing something like that. So anyway, fast forward that a bit further, the three of us, um, or probably two out of the three of us in that business, um, decided that we would buy $100,000 worth of mobile phones, handsets. And I thought, well, that's too much for me at that point. And I thought, okay, I might pull out of this because I wasn't sure if it was going to go because one in 15 people wasn't enough. We needed, you know, one in two people to have mobile phones to have that much stock at that early stage of the business. So I pulled out of that business and those two guys went on to um, not make the business. They failed. They went bankrupt. Uh, luckily, their parents had some money at that stage to bail them out of the, um, the situation they got into. But that was a good learning curve, I thought, from a, a large-scale business. We had recruited staff. We got premises. We had started to get inventory. But we were just a little bit ahead of the marketplace. So it was innovation and thinking is what I took from that um, example. Yeah, one of the questions I wrote down as you were telling that story was um, when you saw, you talked about seeing the curve. And I think as entrepreneurs, we sort of, well, myself, I sort of tend to take that leap of faith probably more than I should. I don't necessarily do the research quite enough. I've got better at doing that. I was going to yeah. ask you, what was it that you saw that gave you the confidence to sort of do that? But you, you answered the question around that, you know, weren't quite sure with the, the large outlays that related to sort of uh, capital expenditure to bring in product. But also being young as well. Yeah. If I was in that situation now with the network and the people I know and the resources that I can get, um, I probably would, if I could see something coming like the mobile phone being, you know, how many have I had since? 25, yeah. 30. Phones. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, so if I knew that was going, I would have stuck in it. You know, yes. I would have built the foundation of that business stronger. And then as people started to get, uh, you know, one in ten people had a phone, or one in five, you know, every, and everyone has a phone or many more, um, yeah. I would have stuck stuck out that vision that I could see before the majority of the people. 
That's that uh, great, um, the great curse and the great insight that comes from uh, hindsight. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I remember that for myself in the property industry, uh, wanting to buy one of the other properties up the road from us. And I said to Andrew at the time, no, 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 we only paid 40000 for this. I'm not paying 50000 for that one up the road. And two years later, it was 170000 That 10000 didn't make any difference. That's right. <laughs> that was like, damn it, hindsight. Yes. So that, tell us then how you shifted from the mobile phones into the debt recovery because I know that's the space that's you've been in. Okay, so there's plenty of um, businesses in between that period. Okay. To, uh, we won't go into those now, but um, if we fast forward to the debt recovery space, I took a, a sales role for the company that I ended up buying. And mm. um, so I got to see, I think, of uh, it was more about the process behind the business mm. and the system behind the business that I got involved in. So debt recovery space is, uh, just to give you a quick snapshot, there's, and I think it's about six or $7 billion pre-COVID that was all uh, outstanding accounts. Um, I'm not, we're not 100% sure what that currently is in this market, but if we go back to 2019, it was pretty predictable that there was roughly in, in Australia about $6 billion worth of debt so uh, to recover at any one point. So I thought that's a reasonable market share to uh, space business in. And um, it's generally high volume and low value accounts that come through. So that means that I could um, scale a team that would be able to, once I taught them the process and the system and obviously government legislation and rules and the law, uh, once they know that, then uh, we could process that. Um, system through and also the, the workflow as well, I suppose, and then also produced a, produce a great result for our clients at the same time. And um, depending on the workflows coming into our business, um, we can scale up and scale down. Yeah. Systematic. So I saw that from when I uh, was selling the business, that's when I was the salesperson for the business, which I still am the salesperson for the business, you know, the marketer, um, you know, that's, that's the part I've always liked of this business. And so I employ um, people that are very good at those roles in regards to the debt recovery space to do that for us. And the larger the contracts, uh, the bigger the workflow, the bigger the team. Or if it goes the other way, like during COVID where there was no work to be done, we scaled right back down as well. Yeah. So with, that's one of the fundamentals I'm hearing straight away, that you've got the ability with the systems and processes to scale up and scale down as the marketplace dictates. Yes, yeah, yeah that, that, that's, that's the fundamentals of having uh, or buying into a business or, uh, yeah. yeah, and growing one as well. So after buying the first one, I bought the second one, the third one, then started acquiring so uh, contracts. And I had, if you had got me on the show, say, five or six years ago, I would have said I want to grow a big call centre where um, yeah. that system is scaled right up. But what I found, unless you're going to be uh, go become publicly listed and have outside funding in this uh, business model and and then you've got to rely on the high volume and there's a very low margin in it what we've done is we've back the other way and we're very picky on the clients that we go for now and the clients that we look after and so we just play in a, a space that we like and so we're yeah. we don't look after the low end we don't look after the um asx listed big portfolios we go for the middle so yeah. and that seems so we don't need to scale up our staff um, to a point where we've got 20 or 30 staff. We can sit around that 10 mark and yeah. um, revenue can increase exponentially without mm. us 
cost base going up too much. So I like that as well. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. So are these insights that you've earned, because you've, you've always had that entrepreneurial journey, you've always been that person that goes straight away from, you know, sleeping on the floor for five days in the, in the very instance. You have that, you know, let's just get it done. But you also glean um, and see, I'm going to say, those innovations that other people do and you seem to pick those up. They're like little, mag you see them like little magnets and draw them to you. So if you always had that, um, I'm going to call it that gift of seeing innovation and being able to bring it back across to what you're doing, so seeing the fundamentals and utilising them. I'd like to say yes, that's the case. But um, I suppose I've been getting better at it over the time and I did see it in the early days, like when I was younger, um, you know, a teenager as well. But um, yeah. I think works now, which I sort of mentioned before, is the hindsight that you know how to quickly Im implement those things. You've got better resources now. Yeah. Um, so I suppose if I'm talking to somebody that's just starting their journey and hasn't got the network and hasn't got the, um, you know, those fundamental practices or gone through those failures as well to learn them because you learn them a lot better obviously once you've failed doing those things <laughs> as you know uh, it, that only comes and you can only really um, confidently talk about that after you've been through it and you've had time to reflect on it yes. most people talk about that while they're going through it that's not something that they want to say but um yeah picking up innovation from other companies that are doing things well i love to study um and studying other companies and what other people are doing and who's at the forefront of marketing and, you know, where should we be relating that back to our business in our ecosystem, you know, because, uh, you know, what I used to find a while back when I was learning marketing, you go and listen to the people that make it, you know, they, they can write a book, it's a bestseller, but they're talking about um, people that want to sell to the whole, you know, 7 billion people. My business is never going to service 7 billion people. So that's just, you know, but you, you go away from a marketing or you read some book and you think, oh, yeah, I can market to everybody, but that's just not the case. So you get stuck and that's, I think, what um, makes a lot of businesses stay in that small um, phase or, phase, you know, area where they are because they're stuck thinking they need to sell to everyone. And, yes. you know, the last few years for me and our business, especially in the debt recovery space, is very niche and only yeah. go for the client, and it's more profitable. It's uh, easier for implementation, for staff, for training, for everything, yeah. Specificity, um, I, I, I hear you there, because working with the clients that I work with, I, I often hear, but I, you know, I'll i ask the question, so who are your ideal target market? It's like, everybody. It's like, mm, no, <laughs> very hard to market to everybody. Um, and as you said, when you get um, being in the space now of training my own staff and scaling quite quickly as we have, is you hit the nail right on the head when you have that level of specificity. This is who we serve. This is the reasons why we serve them. Um, it's a nice little box and you can sort of talk and get really intimate and share that intimate knowledge and understanding of them and train your staff to that accordingly, which actually helps the staff step up uh, and do a better job and look after the clients better, which then overall helps the whole, the whole business. That's right. Yeah, so I'd love to ask, um, you've, you've like me, obviously follow and stalk different people and uh, grab little insights. Who have you been uh, following or watching or studying um, during the last sort of 12 months or so during sort of pre-COVID and since COVID? Yeah, pre-COVID, uh, Vern Harnish, um, Scale Up or the Rockefeller Habits. Uh, I really like uh, the, that. Um, have you read that book? No, I haven't. Uh, yeah. no. 
scaling a, a, a large business, uh, I got put onto that book by somebody that's um, scaled a very large business here in South Australia. And so they just stuck to that book like religion and they went from less than 10 staff to 300. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's an impressive story and that's, that's a fundamental and it, it explains the roadblocks that you get at 10 staff, at 15 staff, at 30 staff, at 50. Mm. Um, how you have to go through finding the right people because mm. and you, you may you have to hire people um, slowly but fire them very fast because you can easily, as those numbers grow, yeah, so it's interesting. So And partly... Then during COVID, I'm like, okay, well, I don't really want to grow a business of that level. I think I sort of touched on it before. I'm happy to keep my business around that um, 10 staff level and just niche. I don't want to go that scale for the debt recovery space. Uh, another business I'm working on um, has a huge scalability to it globally. And I need fundamentals from that book, but uh, that's on the side and we'll I'll bring in those rules from the Rockefeller Habit into that business as we progress. So yeah. um, that's why I've got that one. Um, but I still refer to it and I love what um, Vern talks about. So if you've been seeing any of my social media in the last week or two, I'll be I'll be chucking up quotes from him at the moment just to remind myself while I'm working on the uh, what I'm working on the ops plan at the moment for the, yeah. the big business. And um, then I love Gary V, which you probably know Gary V. Yeah. yeah. So obviously, um, yeah, he, he talks about producing content multiple, you know, I mean, he's American, so it's a little bit different, but for Australia, um, yeah, 50, 30 to 50 pieces of content every day. So I put a goal last week to do that. And yep. so I've, I've been putting out close to at least 30 pieces of content um, on all social media channels that we currently run. So, you know, we've got six six channels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, that can be a video, a story, a, um, a post, uh, long content, short content, YouTube, etc. And he, the one thing that he keeps reminding me about is that no one cares about what I'm putting out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I was just so, gonna ask I'm just putting it out for me. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to ask you about that because 30s sort of, uh, in my world, borderline extreme, uh, which is great, but, you know, you're following the advice of a guru in the industry. So I was going to ask you, so based on uh, the level of you putting that that amount of content out, what have you seen change? Have you seen an change well, in engagement? The idea is you, don't, yeah. you ignore any change and you'd, you'd, you're not putting out content for likes. You're putting out yeah. content for yourself. Yeah. So when you reflect back in a year's time, it can just be a quick motivation for yourself. Yeah. It could be an insight of what you're going through for the day. So yeah. I love the fact that I've switched my mindset because four or five years ago when I thought about creating content, I, I thought it was all about the uh, consumer and how I can help them from mm. the initial thing that I'm putting out. And, and then oh, I'm only ignored if people want to um, see it and like it from me. Um, but that's the complete opposite of what he talks yeah. about. It's talks okay. About. Just do it for you. What do you like? Choose five things that you like and just tell the world. And if people don't like that, they can move to the side. The people that do want to engage with that, then they're the people that you want to. So that's that niching of that's who, that who you in your, your world of social media and how that might play yeah. out in the future. Um, I like that. 
style. Yeah, no, that's I love that. I love that too. That concept and doing the five things that you like, because um, in our, our arena, in that sort of uh, professional speaking and um, uh, coaching space, it's you know educate, 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 as opposed to rah, I've got an event, rah, I've got an event, rah, rah, I've got an event uh, coming up. Um, and I love the fact that you also talked about that you're doing it for yourself and having the ability to reflect back later. And that ties into the Simon Sinek stuff about, you know, um, find the ones that wear the same colour hat as you and uh, yes. look, look for the ones that go from there so that, that believe what you believe. Yeah, they come so, which is why you use the term when we were talking and I asked for, um, you know, a bit of a bio on your background, was you use the term attention marketing. Yes. which I went, oh, that's a bit different. I'm going to have to dig into that a little bit with Wayne. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Well, it, he talks about he's the best, I think. Mm -hmm. So if anyone wants to know what's going on um, and he's out there, obviously. But, yeah, we're day trading attention these days, right? Yeah. I love that he uses that comp. That, and yes. so how much attention do you want to day trade for what you do? Yeah. You know, so it's like the share market, you know, you have to constantly pay attention to it. Sometimes it's going up, sometimes it's going down. What are you putting out? Is that going to work? And of for business to business, which is mainly my market at the moment, if I'm going for that, but he also talks about legacy and long term. So I've, I'm thinking more about my 15-year strategy. So the current business and what I'm currently doing now is not really why I'm recording what I'm doing. It's more about to go, okay, what was the process that got me there? Um, and I'm putting that out to the world on social media and if anyone wants to pay attention to that, that's fine. If not, I can go back and categorise and um, use that video and go, okay, I was thinking that that day. He talked about that idea or he was going off to that um, place and doing this, talking to this person or, you know, I'm here talking to you, Sally, and, you know, even we might have something here that goes, okay, five years time, what what were we talking about? What did we uncover? And where did that take us up here? And, you know, yeah. so those type of things. And Sorry. No, that's right. Go. I was going to say it's a great way to utilise the insight, the gift of insight again, um, further down the track as you start to develop and increase the legacy for what you're doing based on that 15-year plan. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought that far ahead for a while. I got yeah. um, caught up in the, you know, what I need something now and, yeah. you know, uh, kept thinking about the bigger goals and I was reminded only recently that I actually like the startup phase of business than I more than all of the rest of it. So I get more excited about a new business. Yeah. yeah. So like, can I just keep doing more of that? And if I've got more reasons my network comes in, I can I think I'm good at putting the right people in the right places. I just need to assemble a bigger business that can do that. Um and enjoy the the building phase so right. um, i'm going to dig, yeah. dig a couple of couple of things there because um, and that's given me super that's been super insightful and motivating for me because i've been going through month on month doubling uh, growth which has been exciting but it, it makes it's made me focus okay what am i doing now what am i doing for the year and i'm going through the uh, i'll call it growth choke point um, again, then I've got my team in there and, and that's that's a key thing I want to talk to you about is team and network. Then I've got, got the choke point and then the team will come in. Okay, we just sort it out like that and we go up again then we hit another choke point and then we go out like that. And we, so it's that innovation, choke point, innovation, choke point, innovation, choke point uh, scenario. But you have said at least three, if not more times, you've talked about resources and network. Now, I know you're a natural networker like I am, uh, but uh, uh, in many ways, 
you've used you've utilized and capitalized that for your business growth. So can you just share some of the um, some stories as around how that's helped you, how you've utilized it, perhaps some some of the good, bad, and the ugly stories? Because I know you've got yeah, some. okay, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, it depends. I suppose if we relate it back to the um, collection space business, my, what I wanted to do when I was thinking when I first got involved 14 years ago, my strategy was to acquire other um, agencies. Bring them together, work out who was best in those uh, businesses, and keep keep the best players or um, staff, and then expand that way. And the way that I went about networking to do that was to network with the people that own the businesses that were more mature than myself, that had been involved for longer than I'd even you know been in business the whole time. And I use something of common interest. A lot of uh, all of them are guys. I think I've, I've got one lady that owns an agency that I'm trying to buy at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. And we all, our common interest was golf. So I've done a lot of golf. I knew I was going to bring that in at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> so that's why I talk about it a lot. Anyone in finance, especially in the eastern states, uh, Melbourne, Sydney and um, Queensland, they have a big golf culture, especially in the finance world. South Australia, not so much. Um, but over there, that you invite someone to a golf day, you get invited, you go because there's that camaraderie and you can build that network that can potentially be uh, further than just a business um, relationship. It can be a friendship as well, potentially. Um, so I use that strategy. So uh, in two weeks' time, I'm in Melbourne playing golf, taking um, you know my best customers and meeting other customers and sponsoring whole and getting you know exposure there and so that's when i talk about finishing like um the rest of the world south australia adelaide is a very very small market um if they're any successful company in uh, australia they need to be servicing more than just our little marketplace unless you've got something everyone can buy but in my world that case and so yeah i'll be over there building that network and it's worked to get some big ASX listed companies by just being involved in the network and doing the thing that they like. And obviously I like golf as well. Um, yeah, so that's a good one. A bad example in regards to networking is probably um, too quickly trusting and using somebody um, that's been referred to me by someone else. And that happened to me just recently. So um, they had all the credentials on paper uh, they were referred by somebody else that said, yeah, this person's perfect, blah, blah, blah. I met with them. The initial meeting went okay, but um, I think we've had five meetings since and what I've asked them to do, they've wanted to do what they want to do. And at this particular point in the project that I'm working on, I need them to do exactly what I'm asking them to do because uh, it goes back to working out what I'm good at. I'm good at talking the vision and telling what that vision may be and connecting people and networking etc but i uh, employed this person to do the contract side and the, um, the data and the detail mm. they went off on a tangent so i, I think i'm on the fourth person to do this um, oh, particular wow. project for me so yeah because it, because it's so important and this business that i'm working on is going to be so big that i need to get it um, right from the start so we're spending thousands of dollars on the um, documentation 
to get that right. Yeah. yeah. We've already done the pitch deck. We've got the venture capital. We just need to yeah. work. And that comes facts. back to one of those sayings where they talk about um, you've, you've got to start at how you want it to end. So currently you're having the the, the staff members not starting how you're going to need it to end. So you've sort of got to get, get out um, sort of quickly and move to the next person. He potentially wants to be the operations manager of this business, but it won't follow directions here. So I've had to cut him off quickly, you know, yeah. hire them slow, fire them fast. It's a yeah. Rockefeller habit. Yeah, comes from that as well. And it's interesting, you've also touched on the, you know, you've had you had your five meetings. I've got one of the other guys that it's also in the entrepreneurships and innovation space um, and now one of my collaborative partners. Um, and I remember uh, when we first met, he said, oh, you know, what, we, what we'll do is we'll have, you know, three to five meetings and we'll get to know each other. And I've done the three to five meetings. Are you ki kidding me? Um, but um, and that 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 voice was not actually my own voice. It was a past uh, voice of somebody else. And I, and I looked at that later and I went, well, that's actually, that actually makes sense because we actually, we're not going from, hey, uh, uh, hey, we've met, let's get married. We've gone, hey, let's meet, let's go on a date, let's, you know, do this and do this and do this and do this. It makes um, sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it, and it made such a huge difference because we know each other inside out. We almost think each other's thoughts at the same time. When we're working together on projects, we finish each other's statements uh, or in conversations, and there's just that dual understanding. But uh, like you've got somebody um, that's more data-driven, and so this person for me is more data-driven and more systems-driven uh, systems because that's not my space. I love a great system, but I can't build them. Um but I bring somebody else in. But the importance of that, getting to know somebody fast, and we did that, you know, um, his words were, let's keep the momentum, let's catch up. We've met today, let's catch up in two days' time. Let's catch up again in another two days' time. So there was that momentum to yeah. discovery. Very good. Yeah, and it could have worked in the reverse, right, like it's yeah. happened to me. Yeah. You know, every meeting or every conversation, every email or every um, you know, Skype, was it going off track or on track? And obviously with your situation, it's a good one. Mine, it wasn't. So I'm now looking for somebody else. Somebody else. And I, I shared that too because we've just done the same thing with somebody else that was referred into us and we've had the same experience. First meeting went great. Second meeting, you start to get that sort of hinky feeling, something's not quite right here. Third meeting, got it again. Fourth meeting, yep, no more. Done. <laughs> and sometimes that person actually talks himself out of, helping you as well, which happened in this situation. So I had a number of times saying, oh, I've missed the mark. I want to keep doing it, but if you want to cut ties, I'm also okay with that. <laughs> so there's a handshake and maybe one day we'll, we'll bump into each other again. But yeah, that's yeah for different reasons, yeah. for the right reason. But I suppose that back to the point was that it was a bit close. It, you allow that to happen a lot quicker than if I was like, okay, I'm going to jump on LinkedIn. I'm going to find a specialist in X area that I think might be able to help. Then I'm going to, you know, direct message them, ask them if they can provide um, a little bit more about uh, what they can do if they were to jump on this project, et cetera. Um, you know, that's going to take time. But whereas somebody says, oh, hey, Sally, here's Wade. He knows XXX. Come along. Yeah. And then, you know, you might be more trusting if I said that. You know? yeah. But you clearly utilise the resources within your network to say, hey, I'm looking for who do you know to fast track your growth because, we, yes, as you said, you can jump on LinkedIn and we've, uh, we all do that and um, track people down and yet that does take time. So sort of doing the two 
um, to get the result happening quicker and faster for yourself. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. If, on a, in a good example, you can be up and running in a couple of weeks' time with somebody that's been introduced through your network and, yeah, your project moves forward at the pace that you probably like it. So you yeah. want to move fast through projects, so do I, because we like that building phase. Yeah, yeah. And I also love that you talked about the fact that you're actually inviting clients to the golf, uh, the golf scenario. I think that's such a fundamental of... Uh, relationship building and great uh, longevity in a business is actually uh, including your clients in the opportunities. Yes, you all like golf, um, yes. but with that, you know, getting that invitation from you to go to the uh, to the golf scenario in Melbourne to meet other people that are in their industries. You know, I don't think a lot um, enough people do enough of that invitation. You know, I'm going to this. Do you want to come with me? Stuff yeah. uh, enough, and I think that's a missing a missing opportunity. Yeah, it, it, it works uh, very well. Like this is something I planned four or five months ago because yeah. to get three people in, you know, um, big positions to come out of their work day yeah. and depending on it, sometimes their work pays for it, sometimes they're going to take a day off. Yeah. So, you know, either they can convince the boss that they're going to have uh, as a PD day or, you know, uh, they're going to take an annual leave day. So, yeah, it takes planning, takes timing. And obviously with the situation, we may even not have the golf day. So, you know, I've got to be prepared for all of that to not happen as well. All of the contingencies in that building phase of a fun event, regardless of whether you're building fun events or a business. <laughs> so, yeah. So can you share some of the other, um, I suppose, insights or um, war stories that you can share to help um, people that are in that entrepreneur journey? And I'm also hearing that um, even the people that are in their entrepreneur journey within other organisations, what are some of the tips and ideas that you can share with them that have really helped you out or have been passed on to you? Yeah, um, Okay, uh, I'll probably the routine part um, is if they're going to get into um, some type of business, you need to build routine, yeah. and that can just be a routine of okay, I'm going to you know concentrate on the marketing for one hour each day of of the new business or the idea. Uh, what I seem to find, which has been a problem for myself as well, is I fall out of routine. My entrepreneurial spirit falls out then, you know, I'm more reactive to even if it's day-to-day -day business operations or if it's, you know, thinking about growth or yeah, either way, I seem to find, you know, and I think that can go back just to life in general as well. Not, you know, yeah. build, build some routines and, you know, you'll feel much better about what you're doing. Um, and that, that's hard with an entrepreneurial mind because we do things to get out of routine, not go to to a job not just do the weekend thing you know so yeah it's a catch-22 I think and um, I'm being more conscious about that uh, recently yeah. and, it, and it's working uh, quite yeah. well especially when I've got one core business and a couple of uh, businesses that I'm building on the side so I need to build a routine to be able to do them both yeah yeah, and I love that. Um, I always uh, did a lot of work with Dale Beaumont and one of his um, great sayings was your cash flow follows your calendar uh, and he rut he routinalised his calendar with, you know, the, the big things in his business and I know for me... Um, I've got certain chunks in the day when I'm when I've got my high energy, which is when I do certain things that where I need to be in that creative space, and I know that I can do some of the other tasks when my energy is dipping a little bit. 
Um, but um, as entrepreneurs, uh, we all rebe rebel against the routine. But for those of us that have had kids, if we imagine that toddler without the, you know, you go to bed at this time and you do things at that time, <laughs> it's really chaos. Um, so we literally have to, um, I suppose, routinalize the toddler in all of us. And we do, that's right. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, that's probably one tip. Um, in regards to, you know, pursuing a client, I was thinking about this when you sent through what we were going to talk about and obviously marketing is one. Um, it's a long time ago now, but there was a big client that's still with me today and yeah. I, you know, I'd wanted to work with them for a long time. It was right in that niche, right in that space that, you know, perfect. And, yeah, so I did a lot of research to find out um, about the person that was in the position that would just talk to me. She wasn't even a decision maker. But mm. we built up, I built up some interest. This is before the day of LinkedIn. This is before uh, social media. This is basically all you got is a phone call, a face-to-face yep. -face meeting. I don't even think we had Zoom to talk to anyone. You know, like this is going back a while. But I suppose yeah. you could fast forward it now and you've, You've got much better resources to figure out <laughs> just a little bit of information about somebody all right and i just worked out what her football team was that she was super passionate about it um you know i managed to find something that was quite rare sent it mm. to her mm. and within two weeks she said yeah we'll give you that work just because oh, i put in all this hard work of like two years of figuring out what she like, yeah. what she want. Yeah, yeah, no, we're happy with what, who we're using. We've got somebody else. You know, we've had this relationship here. And, you know, this goes back to you asking who I've been following lately, Gary V. He talks about it as well. There's a very good example with him um, on one of his podcasts where he um, sent some uh, – one of his wine orders, he's got a wine business, his family business, and he just sent um, a whole bunch of stuff for free to just one random customer. Yeah. And then – He's like, oh, yeah, no, he figured out the guy loved um, a certain sports team. He got a um, signed, whatever it was, Guernsey, sent it to him. He got nothing, nothing at all for like three weeks from this guy. And then all of a sudden he gets this order that's like over $10,000 worth of wine, all the expensive top um, brand wines. And he's like, why did we get this order? He didn't know. And then in the message goes, you sent my mate a Guernsey can I get this, you know, and he requests yeah. a, some other Guernsey, but he spent enough money that it came from just doing this random act of kindness over here and it yeah. came back. So that's an un sort of, he didn't know how that was going to unfold, yeah. but I just like the fact that you can do those type of things and they do eventually come back to you because yeah. most people don't have the time and insight or thinking to go, if I do something like this, it may never play out. I may never be rewarded. That's fine. So you have to have that mindset that you, like you do, you know, you help people, you connect people, and, you know, it may help you, it may not, that's fine. But more often than not, it comes back to you. Yeah, the, the law of reciprocity. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I've, that reminds me of a story of uh, Vin Yang, who's one of our uh, speakers uh, that went over to the States. One of yes. his little yes. gifts he Follow. used to used yeah, thought you would, to open the doors was he used to send a, 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 a um, he used to send, I'm going to call it a magic trick. It was a little bit more than that, but it was inside a, a bottle. And when he's told the story, I've always imagined that he's actually been very, very clever enough to actually find this object cre already created. 
Yeah. Um, he would send them and they were exceptional and extraordinary and they did open doors for him. But I only found out talking to him over um, over coffee when he was at one of our events that yeah. he actually, he actually made it. He actually yeah. put the thing in the thing inside the bottle and I was like, oh, my God. But, again, that just demonstrates the level of commitment when you know what you're good at and you know who you want to make um, connections with because it's for the greater good of them, then it doesn't matter how long it takes because it helps no. to demonstrate the level of service and care that you're going to have with them, which is exactly what what you did as well. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, I was also going to ask you, you were involved, and I'm not sure whether you still are, with Rotary for a while. Was that part of a strategy for your business growth as well? No. No? No. Um, that's a funny story. Uh, I've just happened to have my office next door to the president of uh, the Rotary Club at the time. But yeah. further to that, he broke his leg and he couldn't drive to the Thursday lunch that they would have. So he knocks on the door, Wade, um, I need to go to lunch. I'll buy you a stencil and a beer um, if you give me a lift because obviously clearly I can't uh, drive. Yeah. Are you busy at lunch? It's Thursday. You know, this is early days of me. There's about three of us in the business and what am I doing at lunch here? With a client, potentially going to see a client, having lunch by myself or still working. So I'm like, yeah, great chance. Anyway, so I go um, to the group. There's about 20 people, mostly retirees. There was yeah. uh, one counsellor in there. She uh, was quite impressive at the time. I was like, okay, well, I might get a connection to the council. So I thought, you know, those type of things. I got dragged back four weeks in a row Um because I was driving and I enjoyed the uh, Thursday lunch. That was an interesting speaker. So the speaker that came and talked generally was out there doing things. So I got to know them. So I was like, okay, that's cool. But the core group, those guys, mainly guys, were doing um, good things for the community as well. So I thought, oh, yeah, okay, you know, I can give back this way. You know, I didn't have much money at the time, but I had uh, time. So I thought, okay, what can I do? I help here, you know, um, that. I didn't really have any thought about um, what it's going to do for the business because a lot of people I talked to outside of the group were like, why are you doing that? That's a waste of time. Yeah. Too young, like, go do something else. Yeah. yeah. But I stuck it out for 10 years. The last year I did as a president and then now I'm retired from that um, organisation. I'm happy to donate uh, money to mm -hmm. causes when people reach out. Uh, I'm happy to do that, but not um, in regards to spending my time there at the moment, um, yeah, help out another time. But clearly for, um, from a 10-year uh, stint there, it obviously had its uh, its value. It was another great network. It was another uh, opportunity source or uh, and resource source and a great way, again, for you to demonstrate the whole uh, reciprocity, reciprocity and things yeah. coming back. Awesome. Huge, huge amount of that um, came out of it. Um, I think I even ended up with an office in Canberra out of one of my connections. So yeah. uh, I have an, an office there that I can use if I have a client um, that I need to meet in Canberra. Um, yeah. So the connection, yeah. you know, spread far and wide and, you yeah. know, there's up a lot don't of doors. Don't book by its cover. I'll go back to saying that you just never sure. know who they know. They're, you're only ever one connection away from the person that you know, but not if you prejudge the cover, book by its cover because you just exactly. never know. Yeah. True got a couple more minutes to wind up do you have okay. any more insights that you want to uh, share with the community um with the entrepreneurial side i suppose um i seem to find that um you know 
the motivation, you, it's hard, right? So I would probably ensure that, you know, there are those things that you've got as tools or assets around you that, you know, can motivate you or somebody that you can call and go, hey, you know, like uh, that has a business that you decide you want or has the lifestyle that you want or, you know, who, who can you call and say, hey, you know, I've been going through this. I feel like I've been kicked to the curb a few times or, you know, the government regulations have been ruining my business. You know, what can I do? You've got to be able to have that person to call. And um, on the flip side, I now make myself available for somebody that may want to uh, have that information from me, you know, at my level of, you know, what they see that I might be able to give them value to as well. So I open up my time for um, anyone to be able to do that as well. So it's just... Yeah, find somebody that you can quickly call, email, message, send a video, send an audio, get something right. back. That yeah. get you past that little bit of a hump that you're gonna find. You probably already have several times before even listening to this. Is that yeah. yeah, what's gonna push you forward? Otherwise, you might resort back to either giving up. But sometimes also on that, I've had some recent examples of talking to people where I think they should actually stop what they're doing and start something else or. Yeah. Uh, you know, scale right back, get a job, and then, and then you know, like, you, otherwise you're going to end up, you know, in a, in a worse situation. Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, great. So if I, a bit of a recap there, it's very much about uh, creating uh, relevant daily routines that keep you moving forward and help you stay focused. Certainly utilising your network, giving back to your network, adding value to your network. Um, and from a resources perspective from within your network, um, work with people, um, I always refer to it as been there and done an experience, have those been there and done it, uh, mentors around you that you can jump on the phone, hey, I've got a HR problem or hey, I've got a systems problem. So have a, a, a cluster of those and just reach out to them so you can yeah. um, provide that been there, done their experience. And then, of course, when you get to varying just um, different levels to help the, the other guys that, that are coming up underneath you to have that foot up as well. Yeah. Beautiful. That's been great, Wade. Thank you so, so much for sharing all of that with me. So just very quickly on next week's show, it's um, our monthly episode of uh, Marketing Magic with Celeste and I, and we're going to be sharing some tips and ideas as it relates to customer service. And we're going to dig in some uh, into some good, bad and ugly customer uh, service uh, stories and just give you some tips and ideas on how to improve some of the customer journey experiences that your customers have uh, to then improve your profitability and credibility in the marketplace. So that's uh, on next week's show. And I look forward to sharing more insights with you on the Success Secrets Exposed. Look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you very much. And if we can just thank Wade again for sharing so much with us today. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for having me on. And just one last thing is, you know, be grateful for where you are and what you've got because there's a lot of people out there that have a lot less. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. I trust you got some inspirational tips to move you forward. See you next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern for more Success Secrets Exposed.